Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. The main thing that we need to understand is that when we deal with people, whether it's a B2C or B2B, the primal brain will always be the main decision maker, right? So once again, if it's a B2B scenario, how do you position your brand now so that it really signals to, let's say, the primal brain of the potential client that you want to do business with, that you're going to be a safe uh, partner to uh, do business with? Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with Michael Delon of Positioning Experts and with Desi Bolin of Virtually Sourced Solutions, then do go check them out, but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Felix Kao. He's a neuromarketing expert and business growth strategist with over 15 years of sales and marketing experience. He's been featured on major media outlets such as the Huffington Post, Adweek and Authority Magazine. Felix has appeared as a special guest on a major Canadian radio show where he talked about neuromarketing and also the 2019 Canadian election. He also makes frequent appearances on the top business podcasts in the world and contributes to popular publications where he shares the most up-to-date insights on how businesses can take their sales and their marketing to the next stratospheres by implementing neuromarketing strategies that will give companies the game-changing edge that separates them from the rest of their competitors. Felix's business is Happy Buying Brain, where he works with businesses on their marketing strategy and how to apply neuromarketing to create a clear separation in their brand perception from their competitors and expand their customer base by better understanding what truly makes their clients tick during the entire customer journey process. In our discussion today, Felix talked to me about some of the future trends of artificial intelligence. We talked about the role of neuroscience in our buying behavior and the implications that has for marketing. And we talked about the importance of empathy and relationships in marketing. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Felix Kao. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome today to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Edmonton, Alberta in Canada, Felix Kao, who's a neuromarketer and business growth strategist and also founder of Happy Buying Brain. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Felix. It's a great privilege to have you here as my guest. Hi, Jürgen. This is an absolute pleasure as well. Thank you for having me as a guest on your podcast. Very happy to be here. Now, you've got a background in biological science and in psychology, and you use that to help businesses understand what makes their customers tick and really understand that, which is something that I'm very passionate about. So I'm really keen to dig deeper into that, particularly from understanding psychology, understanding neuroscience and and our behavior that that Mm -hmm. typically our brains dictate that. But before we get on to that, what's the impact you make in the world today? I like to start off with that question with my guests. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's just the ability to share our knowledge, um, you know, and, and, and make sure that the people that we share it with, they're able to apply it in a very practical way where, um, you know, they're able to make the, the changes, whether they're small or large, that will, uh, you know, have a big impact in terms of their trajectory moving forward. So um, that's definitely the biggest, um, you know, one of my core values and mission is to make sure to connect with people, but also provide value in a way where, you know, it would help uh, them as a person or their business continue to improve and to thrive, especially with everything that's happened over the last 18 months. I think people are a lot more open to, uh, you know, new suggestions and innovative ways to complete uh, certain tasks. Yeah, I love that. And, and it completely aligns. I mean, you've encapsulated my idea of transformation really well. And we talk about transformational marketing, and it's very much about giving people means and and tools and knowledge that they can actually apply to make the change in their situation. So I love exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Very happy to hear that, uh, you know, those values align. Yeah. All right. So um, how did you get to, or how, how did a scientist and a psychologist um, get into business and into marketing? Yeah, so that's a great question here again. Like, um, you know, if we were to have this conversation, let's say 20 years ago, business was not even on the radar. So this is it's very miraculous. And when, when we look back, of course, all the dots connect. But if we were to look at, you know, and bring ourselves back to a certain point in time, it'd be, oh, like, I never knew that this is where I would, uh, I'd be at a certain point uh, in the future. And really, this conversation would actually take place at a university. Um, you know, I'd be doing my uh, working on my biology sciences degree. Um, and at that time, you know, I have come from a family where there's uh, a lot of people in the medical field, doctors as well. And um, it was this paved the path to more look along the lines of, um, for me personally, was optometry. So that was the forefront in terms of the career goal and uh, the aim. So um, that's where a lot of the uh, biological science comes from. So obviously that's a prerequisite to get into the optometry program. Um, so, you know, going from there, I also had a fascination with how the mind worked, right? So it was kind of like this perfect marriage of, you know, the, the kind of like the underpinnings of how the brain with the neural uh, networks, how they actually uh, communicate with each other and how that would translate into a thought. And then, um, so that's kind of like the educational background that came from it. And then I got introduced to another group of friends that were more entrepreneurs, more business-like. And, um, you know, I was like very open-minded. I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot, let's just say. Um, so, um, you know, and, and it led to where we are today, which was, um, you know, my current company. So, so in between that, the, the educational background, I also got introduced to the world of investments and, and finances. So I was in there for a little bit. And then I saw that we were on a shift of another technical uh, revolution about the early 2010s. And that coincided with, you know, Apple releasing their iPhone and Android coming out. So, um, you know, I played in that arena for over nearly a decade uh, during that time. And what I see coming out of that is, um, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, virtual reality, that's really what's taking hold of today's uh, society, right? Like, for example, there's chatbots. Um, you know, we could go and uh, talk to our, you know, Siri on the phone. Um, you could probably, uh, you know, have Alexa, which is like the kind of like the Amazon version of Siri. And you could just talk and be like, hey, uh, Alexa, can you turn on the music in my house, right? So um, just seeing that, how it penetrates our everyday living. And, and at the core of a lot of those innovations was neuroscience. So as, as these technologies get adopted and become mainstream, so will concepts that are related to that particular trend will also, um, you know, break through the molds as well. So I saw this as a great opportunity now to apply, you know, the neuroscience to the world of uh, business and marketing. So that what, that's what gave birth to, uh, you know, my current company right now, Happy Buying Brain. Hmm. Yeah, that's it's fascinating, and and it's a little bit like you you said. Um, you know, I look back on my career, and I could probably tell a story <laughs> that's sort of analogous to yours in some way. Of you know, I did this, and then this came, and then I pivoted this way. And when you look backwards, it all seems so well planned and, and structured. Exactly. But actually, it was all over the shop, really, because when you look forward, you can't can't see all those things what one of the things i'm 
curious about, I mean, before we talk about what neuromarketing is and um, how your understanding of neuroscience um, helps in the field of sales and marketing where, you know, you're looking at people's behavior and people's motivation to, to take action. Um, I'm curious, you mentioned about AI and chatbots being used and you wrote a recent blog post about building better business relationships through stories and, and, you know, you talk mm-hmm. about neuroscience in that. Um, how, how do you reconcile those two things? I mean, how should we be looking at bringing on board technology, AI, all these tools that can automate things and, and make things quicker to do in some ways, right. easier to do in some ways, and yet really remove the human connection. So how do we kind of reconcile that with building better relationships and, and, and having that human connection part? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So right now there's actually a technology uh, called Sophia. So Sophia is actually um, kind of like a robot version or, or living Android. And really the whole point of that is to, that's kind of like the pinnacle right now of combining the emotional, the human aspect with, um, you know, uh, artificial intelligence. So in terms of combining those two aspects together is really understanding how could we deliver, let's say, a product or service or a brand in a way that has as many human touch points as possible, right? So that's how now we look to combine both worlds of, let's say, introducing artificial intelligence into the world of human interaction. So at the very start, it's, it's very stale, right? It's like, this is the question from, let's say, a chatbot. And, um, you know, you'd write in a response, but then the response might be something that's like maybe this foreign and it doesn't even answer it. And then over mm-hmm. time, we notice that it actually improves um, and then it becomes much more relevant. And one of the parts that it will become even more relevant moving forward in the future is that it'll be able to detect, you know, where someone out, where someone is on an emotional level. So it could be, let's say somebody um, talking to an artificial intelligence, like making an order it'll be able to have, let's say, technologies within it that uh, recognizes uh, your voice tone, for example, right? So that will be able to um, give them an idea of how to, uh, you know, in their database of how to handle this particular uh, consumer. Or even, let's say, in your phone, it'll be able to, um, when, when you're actually uh, giving commands to it um, through the, you know, facial recognition and, and also the voice tone uh, recognition, to understand where you're at and maybe if you're having it, it detects that you're having more of a down day then uh, then what it can do is actually recommend um you know something to actually lift you up like once it understands that uh let's say that um you know you, you're you, you love coffee and then knows that you're somewhere close to like your favorite coffee shop and it detects that emotionally this would actually help give you a boost Right. So it would recommend it would recommend maybe even even order, order a takeaway to be delivered to. There you go. Like, so it would be even a step ahead of even Mm. someone um, having to put in that particular order. Right. So it it would be that type of relationship. It's it's very synergistic. And I I think that needs to be very clarified where right now there's a lot of mystique around, um, you know, how does the technology uh, in particularly uh, artificial intelligence, how does that integrate into our everyday living? Because it's not a human being, mm. right? But uh, here, you know, that's one example where it can make someone's life a, a lot, lot better. And 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 currently, it we see it in our everyday lives. Like people are just talking to their phones. They're giving it, uh, you know, like that's pretty much their <laughs> some of their some of their best friends, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I mean, there's a, gr- a couple of great examples there. And I'm sure there's, there's lots of examples where it can be used really good, but I just see so, so many, um, situations where it's almost particularly with, um, help desk type scenarios where, right. um, you know, real people hide behind these, these artificial chatbots or whatever it might be. And it, it seems to be that, you know, they just, they're just there to kind of keep people away from connecting with the real people because right. that might cause more work and <laughs> what what you said kind of prompted me to think hmm, maybe i'll have to stop swearing at my computer when i get frustrated because <laughs> <laughs> often you know it's exactly like that you type in the question to the 
spot and it comes back with an obvious answer and I'm thinking, you know, usually I think to myself, well, I already found that in your documentation. You know, I wouldn't be asking this question if I didn't know that already and it hasn't solved my problem, you know, and then you say, did that solve your problem? And you go, no, and it say, well, here's some other stuff that might be helpful, you know, and that's all unrelated. So I don't want to read a whole lot of other stuff. I want my problem solved right now. <laughs> exactly. The whole point of integrating uh, artificial intelligence is to reduce those friction points, as you mentioned, mm. right? So over time, we've always seen this with technology, it always gets better and better and better. So we could expect that to happen in terms of how an artificial intelligence actually communicates with a human. Right. So here in, in your circumstance, you know, there, there is frustration that will come, of course, if interacting with us, say, with a particular software or bot. And then it comes back as, oh, this is an, an obvious answer, but it doesn't solve the problem. Right. And then what ends up happening is because when you add the machine learning side to things, it's actually picking up all the stuff like how a human, uh, human would, would actually process information, make adjustments. And then for the future, integrate that into, um, you know, the, the interactions moving forward. So the AI is very human-like that way, where it has this ability to learn and to really make sense of the data. But the difference is like right now, it's just a matter of how fast they could actually integrate and make those adjustments. But all that stuff is happening right now. So, you know, the next time you talk to, let's say, that self-help bot, it will respond differently based on, you know, their previous history of interacting, let's say, with yourself or, um, you know, with other people. Right. So um, I think that's very important to to very highlight is, is to see it as a way where, you know, people hopefully they're not hiding behind it and, and using it kind of like a, as a screen or or mm. or like something that um, is one extra step from actually getting real help, but actually position it in a way where it um, it actually helps make the process a lot easier for, let's say, the consumer to um, have their problems solved by, let's say, having you know, they're able to uh, check off really quickly or communicate to the chatbot what the problem is. And if the chatbot feels it can't handle it, then what it does is it knows now to actually get a, a real human being involved, right? So so, so it's developing all those abilities um, as we speak right now. And, and it's really evolving to a system where, um, you know, one day it's, who, who knows, it, it'd be able to talk to you as though, you know, it was a real human being, right? But it's always the you know the intention of how that particular technology is used. So in that particular case, you know if it's used to reduce the friction points and to guide the process along to make the problem solving uh, journey a lot more easier for the consumer, then that's a win-win situation for everyone involved. Hmm. Okay, well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about neuromarketing and sure. how does how does science play neuroscience play into marketing and sales? So, give us a bit of a high level snapshot there, and then we'll dig. Deep. Yeah, absolutely. So, the word neuromarketing, if you really to look at it, it's really so you have digital marketing meets neuroscience. So, if you were to have digital marketing with neuroscience, there to have a baby, that would be neuromarketing, right? So, if you apply that to the to the business world. What you're really doing is, you know, you're, you're taking the neuroscience, which is like how the brain and the body responds to marketing or to a stimuli, which in this case is marketing stimuli. So it could be like ads, it could be your blog, the website, you know, things of that that the consumer is interacting with, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so what you're doing is you're applying the neuroscience to, um, you know, sales and marketing uh, strategies to help uh, businesses solve their uh, business challenges challenges a lot more. Uh, effectively. And, and a large part of that is understanding, um, you know, how the brain uh, works. So everybody knows that, you know, logically, you know, that, that like, that's, that's a system that everyone always defaults to is like, yeah, that's a logical system. It's, it's rational. It, you know, it deals with um, you know, how, how does someone socialize in the real world. But, um, you know, this is the whole premise that that part of the brain actually only is responsible for up to about 5% of our real decision making. Right. So we have this part of the brain that that's really less known um, that uh, most people are not even aware of. Or, or even if they do, they have um, they don't have a clear idea of exactly how it works and how impactful it is in our everyday living. And that part of the brain is called the primal brain. Right. So that's like the most oldest ancient part of the brain. And, um, you know, the fascinating thing about it is it operates below the level of consciousness, mm. but uh, it also, um, you know, influences up to 95 percent 
of our everyday decisions. So when you look at that, uh, you know, this as a totality, then it would be hard to ignore that part of the brain and its impact and influence on everyday, um, you know, business decisions or purchasing, purchase, uh, purchasing decisions that, um, you know, consumers have, right? Or even how business owners run their particular business. So, um, you know, with it, so at my company, Happy Buying Brain, we want to make sure that we help companies craft their marketing so that it speaks to the primal brain of their consumers. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm I'm always fascinated by this topic of of neuroscience and the primal mm -hmm. brain. And you know, to kind of put it simply for those people that may be hearing something like this for the first time, although we have spoken about this with other guests, uh, the primal brain pretty well has one job, right? And that's to keep you safe, to yeah. keep you out of danger. And yeah. and of course, if you think about let's say you hear a, a loud noise or let's say you're about to cross the street, you put one foot on the road and all of a sudden you hear screeching brakes. Well, you're not going to think there's going to be no time difference between you stepping back off that road and that's your primal brain acting, right? Because it, it's exactly danger, danger, back. Yeah. Um, and and mm -hmm. But we're not, so it's it's doing that, but it's also doing that in situations where it thinks there's danger, but perhaps there isn't, right? Um, for example, in business, we uh, make a big investment. And so the primal brain saying, hey, you're going to give away a lot of money here. Whereas that big investment might give us a 10 or 100 times return on that investment. And so if we don't do it, um, it's a bad decision. And yet the primal brain saying, give away money, bad, right? So I think that's, that's kind of a simple yeah. way to look at it. Exactly. There's always this tug of war, uh, that happens between like the primal brain, and the logical brain, right? So, uh, going back to your example, the primal brain, the, the main, that's one of the, the, the core functions for sure is to keep the individual safe, right? So really the primal brain has two main functions is really to ensure the survival, which obviously, uh, you know, parlays into safety, uh, and also to, uh, increase the chances of repro uh, the person's reproductive success as well, because, um, you know, we're all replication. Uh, machines, quote unquote, yeah. right? So, um, that is the really the, the primal brain. And just going back to your example of, you know, someone who's about to step on the road and all of a sudden they hear like tire screeching and then automatically they pull themselves back to the sidewalk. So that's the part of the brain that's really at the base of the, the really the brainstem, right? So that's your reptilian brain. So it's, they call it the physical brain. That's why, because physically it, it, it happens, you know, fast, automatic, reflexive. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's also tied to a lot of your fight or flight, uh, type of responses. So that's why, you know, somebody who, um, who is in that same scenario where they step on the road and they hear those noises, they don't need to think about that because mm -hmm. what the, the main job is, uh, one of the main jobs of the primal brain is to detect threats and to keep the individual safe. Right. So in business, that's the same idea is like, even though, um, let's say going back to our ancestral days, you know, we had real dangers where if we didn't get away from a lion, yeah. th that can mean big trouble, right? But our bodies are still governed by the same kind of ancient system when it comes to, um, let's say, danger or even potential threats that are not life-threatening, mm -hmm. uh, such as the idea of, you know, somebody investing um, into an opportunity uh, that may, you know, have an ROI of 100 plus X or something of that nature that could really be life-changing. But there's this feeling where it's like, oh, like I just give away a lot of money. So the pain that comes along with that supersedes the, um, you know, the, uh, the gains from the opportunity. And, and once again, the, the brain works, uh, you know, that's, that's called the loss aversion bias, right? So it's this, uh, you know, the, the, the fear of losing something is usually, uh, two times that of gaining the same thing. So, um, once again, that's a survival, uh, mechanism because, um, you know, it's, to do something and let's say to, for someone to lose their life is a lot more uh, dangerous than somebody to go in and get that piece of fruit that, that could enhance their survival. So that's why the brain is, is trying to always weigh the two pros and cons of, of that particular action. And, um, you know, that, that could be a large reason uh, due to the loss aversion bias that would explain why um, there's that feeling of fear and pain when the opportunity uh, it, it seems to be still a, a very good one. Hmm. So how does 
how do some of these ideas play out in in marketing and in client you know potential client behavior i guess that that's two sides of the the coin yeah absolutely so just going back to your first example so when you look at the primal brain its main role is to keep someone safe right so in the world of marketing let's say that when uh, a company or a brand is introducing a product does that does your product and and uh and brand make the other person feel safe because a lot of the time what ends up happening uh and this is very uh especially when it comes to let's say a new company is that they'll pr- they'll create a product for example and then they'll talk about all the different uh how great it is in terms of features and benefits right so now that type of marketing speaks to the logical part of the brain mm-hmm. but but information doesn't flow that way so once again this is a real quick snapshot in terms of how um you know the brain is structured and how information actually physically enters the brain and the first area that actually processes it is the primal brain mm-hmm. right because it needs to figure out is this scenario something that helps me or something that puts me in a bad spot mm-hmm. right so it looks at the brand in the same way but all the stuff as we talked about it happens below the level of consciousness and it happens really really quick right so that's why it almost happens outside of our awareness so but but people feel it in their gut mm. right when when something that's is not right gut feel type exactly thing, right? exactly but there there's there's a and often right yeah often i think a lot of people have a buying strategy i i know i do with with some things i mean cameras and bikes for example i mm-hmm. see a, a new camera or a new lens or a new bike that i'm attracted to and it's kind of like you know if if the external environment is right and and the stars align or whatever it might be but you know obviously there's other things like i've i've, I've been looking at these things for a while i'm interested in upgrading whatever i've got or or adding to my lens collection um, mm-hmm. if i see something i usually it's like that oh i want that and then i go through the logical process of justifying it right it's on exactly. special right now or this you know this fills a gap that i have so then i go through the logical stuff but the decision really is already made and the logical stuff is just window dressing yeah absolutely and 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 once again it goes to how um you know information physically enters the brain so it, starting with your the base of your brain which is let's say your primal brain so that's really that's why that's where like a lot of where your emotions and everything hmm. resides as well right so that's why as you mentioned you know you buy an emotion and you justify with logic right so as this information gets processed in your 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 primal brain your primal goes okay this is safe and then what it does is it passes that information to your your logical brain hmm. so so it acts in a way as this this gatekeeper this filter right so so that's why this this marketing directly to the logical brain and, and kind of skipping the the primal hmm. brain that's where you know a, a lot of wasted dollars are 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 um are thrown away so to speak right so that's going back to now we have a neuroscience or a physiological explanation of why you know we buy an emotion uh and then justify it by logic because that's just how information is received in the brain and the last part of the the brain to um last part of the brain to actually receive information is your logical brain right so that's why you get to the point where now you you know we're justifying why we bought what yeah, yeah. we bought if it was the other way around yeah go ahead yeah. you're again so as a marketer how can we use this knowledge to kind of craft better messages craft better marketing messages yeah absolutely so um when when someone comes in contact with a brand for example it's it's really to to solve really six primitive instincts right that will allow them to break through into uh or transform into the best version of themselves right so at the you know at that primitive level it's uh you know you, you have the six primitive instincts which deals with survival uh reproduction safety security sustenance and status right so you have to align now your brand with uh establishing those um you know to help an individual fulfill and enhance those those primitive instincts and then that way you break into you know the the realm of what are their true desires and and motivations and once you're able to do that then then you could position your brand for example to uh you know to solve those problems right so uh, you know l- luxury companies are 
are, are fantastic at, at doing this. You know, that they appeal to, um, you know, things such as status, uh, you know, self-worth, belonging. Um, so this is, I'm just giving it as a category. Mm. Um, so, and then also, um, sports, for example, or athletic brands, right? They, they appeal to, you know, being able to be victorious and also to, um, you know, and to have adventure through friendly competition, right? Uh, beauty brands, fashion, uh, same idea, you know, they create their marketing. So it's related to emotions that are in tune with, let's say, love, relationship and sexual desire. Right. So and then after that, you can build a, a, on top of it. So, of course, it doesn't end there, but that needs to be kind of like the foundation. If you're looking to build a house, you just don't build your roof. Hmm. Right. You got to dig the you know, you, you got to build the, the floor and everything from the ground up. So, um, you know, it's very important to have that. And we always talk about having strong foundations. You like understand the primal brain in marketing is that that foundation that needs to be understood. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot of those examples you gave. Uh consumer brand um focused mm-hmm. and i see you know the high-end brands certainly do this really well um you know something like apple or, or some of the um, expensive watch brands do it really well um they're just some that stick in my mind um how how do we apply those how do we apply those principles in a business to business marketing environment right. Yeah, so business to business is the same thing. Like what at the very end of the day, the main thing that we need to understand is that when we deal with people, whether it's a B2C or B2B, we're always dealing with the primal. The primal brain will always be the main decision maker, right? So once again, if it's a B2B scenario, how do you position your brand now so that it really signals to, let's say, the primal brain of the potential uh, client that you want to do business with that you're going to be a safe uh, partner to uh, do business with, right? Um, of course, if you already have a current relationship, then you know, then you could just skip right into it and, and go more into the details. But let's say a lot of times, you know, you're um, you don't have that uh, relationship established, then um, you know, I always so it's it's just a matter of like how do you set uh, yourself up so that when they meet you, then you're not someone who's foreign to them. Mm. Right. So that's very, very key rather than thinking that, okay, you know, I have a really awesome uh, presentation here. My product's really, really good. Um, but this is my first time meeting these people and, um, hopefully they'll come on board and uh, we'll have a good meeting. Right. Like, like that is, you know, with, without establishing that, Hey, are you first a safe partner to work with? Then, you know, all the logic, the, the part of the, the primal brain will, will shut off and be like, I'm not going to listen to this person because hmm. I don't really know who they are. Yeah. Right. So, so, so one example might be, let's say, if you have a sales page on a website mm-hmm. where you're sending people to through whatever means, um, and on that sales page have a video of, of you personally speaking, being really natural, open, transparent, authentic. Um, is that an example of how we can kind of yeah, ab- absolutely. Safety, hundred percent. Because whenever just think about the opposite scenario, let's say that there's no video mm. of the person, right? So you don't know who's behind this. You have no idea like who you're going to be talking to. So the moment you you're able to match, let's say, a face with a company, mm. and you and you're able to hear them, what that does is engages your senses as well, and that's one way that you know we engage emotionally, and we encode a lot of the kind of tangible senses and feelings that come along with now this particular brand right so the the more senses that we can engage whether that's through a a video that shows visual voice um, you know sense of smell whatever it is Mm. that's going to build trust right because that's just the way that how we communicate with each other and how we understand the world and and make sense of it so the emotional the emotional side now um you know actually comes to play and then plus let's say in that video um you know that person's able to share stories then that also, um, you know, that's one way where it builds empathy, um, with the, um, with the, the consumer so that, that the consumer goes, Oh, you know what? Like this person really gets where I'm coming from. Hmm. Right. So it builds that sense of rapport and it, it, it bridges the relationship a lot quicker. So just imagine if we just to remove that from the scenario, all those elements that we had just talked about would be absent. Right. So that's yeah. the difference when, when you look at it in terms hmm. of making someone feel 
feel safe, right? It's, it's very similar to, you know, if you're to talk to someone, there's different levels. It's okay, we could talk on the phone, but there's no visual. And then the next level is, you know, we could talk uh, on, on a video call. So, so now it becomes visual. You can hear my tone, for example, my, my expressions or our expressions, right? So, so that's a different, builds a different level of trust as opposed to just talking to someone on the phone and just hearing their voice. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, the, what you're highlighting here is, I guess, two, two really key things that I think are so important in marketing and people overlook. And you've given us a really great neuroscience explanation as to why they're so important and that's you know relationships first and and really understanding who your target audience is so that you know the the person who you can actually help who you can serve who your product or service would transform those people when they see that first communication they say yes you understand me that's exactly what i need Exactly. It's, uh, you know, that that's totally opposite of this example that we had talked about at the very beginning where mm. uh, you mentioned your scenario where you're talking to, let's say, a chatbot and yeah. that chatbot was giving you a response that you had already known or is not helpful. So mm. just imagine the disconnect that has ha that had happened there or in those types of situations, right? The, mm. it, was there any trust that that formed during that time? Probably yeah, very little, probably, right? Or yeah. if any at all. So, so the opposite now is now, you know, somebody that comes to, let's say, to a landing page is able to watch a video, learn more about you, see who you are, hear your voice, uh, hear your values, and 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 have them match with the consumer. That is something that um, you know, they people feel a lot more safe when they're around people um, that have their best interests in mind, right? So just being able to create that bridge between, let's say, a brand and their uh, their their customer base is is totally key to building that type of loyalty. Right, because it's now they have, you know, now they have that emotional connection um, with that particular brand that's uh, that's not present without any other brand. Mm, yeah, great, love it. Okay, now I I touched on the blog you wrote a little while ago, building better business relationships through mm -hmm. stories and neuroscience. So I want to um, dig into that a little bit because you touched on storytelling in in the outline of building safety. Mm -hmm. A moment ago so talk to us a little bit more about you know using storytelling to build relationships and and how how to tell good stories that are actually relevant to the audience build that connection right through what we know from neuroscience and um yeah and and that trust factor absolutely so so on a neuroscience level uh we have mirror neurons right so mirror no neurons is pretty much, uh, you know, kind of like a vicarious way to learn if we're watching somebody do a particular task mm. or um, it's really, if you want to call it more to do with empathy, right? So, you know, that's why when we're looking at a scenario and we see the, let's say we're watching a movie, we see people laughing, we, we, we have the same type of feeling or we're, we see, you know, that the scene is, um, you know, the, the actors in there or in real life that mm. they're sad, then we also that that uh, feeling transfers to us as well, right? And once again, it's the mirror neurons because we're really mirroring exactly what is going on or, or what we perceive as, as reality or perception. And so when you tell uh, stories, you know, that's something on kind of like a physiological or, or a neuroscience level to understand that how can I create my stories now where when the audience is, is, is viewing, let's say, uh, my brand or my company, that those near uh, neurons, for example, are are connecting with me in a way where we could bond, have that emotional bond, right? So it's almost like a glimpse into um, you know their world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Once you're able to get that microscopic, because you understand exactly uh, you know some of the underlying mechanisms that are influencing their their ability to uh, to create emotional responses or ties to your brand, right? So by being able to see that, you know, brands and companies are able to now position themselves as though they're having a conversation with a consumer, uh, with a customer side by side. So, so it removes a lot of this, uh, this kind of like emotional mental barrier, which a lot of, uh, you know, businesses and brands usually face when, when thinking about, okay, um, I want to connect with my customers. And then it becomes now like a one-sided, 
type of conversation where the the the, the company just talks about themselves because mm-hmm. they totally had missed the whole neuroscience part about oh there's mirror like mirror neurons and you know that's the thing that really helps uh you know my consumers connect with uh my brand so just understanding that is is absolutely key and one uh, really good example of that is you know what, what's the difference between the value especially in the athletic world of um let's say a generic jersey and then you just slap a name on it of your favorite player and all of a sudden the value of that sells for two or three times more like all it is when you look at it is this like you know stitching right that really causes you maybe like i, I don't know what it is but it's really negligible right but the, the but the fact is what ends up happening when when somebody puts on that jersey with a name on it or that team logo now the mirror neurons goes it starts to draw all these types of associations to that particular player so let's say you know your favorite player is the best player in the world in a particular sport then what ends up happening is it kind of brings it transforms that person to reach that ideal uh you know the best version of themselves as though they were that particular uh let's say um you know superstar right yeah. so that's that's how now brands when 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 you to reverse engineer it you know you, you the way to think about it's like okay if we put this name on the jersey how is that going to have that breakthrough thinking when they put it on where they feel like this particular player mm. right so yeah yeah so that's how yeah, that, you know, that's the, i think that's a really good example um in terms of the impact that can have but there's more behind that, isn't there? So, what, what, how can we tell some stories that bring about that that deep connection? Um, well, one way I think is there's uh, more. I mean, I know. Can you give us an example for um, of somebody that does this really well? Well, the thing is, like, when you when you do like, let me see here. So, I know that I'm just running through. There, there's a printing company. There's a HP, so they do this very well in one of their, one of their commercials, actually. So, so in one of their commercials, it, uh, you know, you have this uh, small family, uh, a father and a daughter, and the daughter's, uh, grow at, so it shows them, uh, growing up, and, mm. um, and the daughter would have, you know, like they would spend a lot of time together, but then, you know, as, uh, children grow up to more teenagers, they like to spend more time with their friends and so forth. So he felt that there was like, now as they got older, you know, the, the the, the relationship between him and his daughter were not the same, right? So as, as the commercial goes on, you see this evolution of, you know, the father and daughter relationship start to to change, right? Mm. And what what ends up happening was even though the relationship had changed, in his head he thought that oh my daughter is now like you know is it, really too cool to hang out with me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like that's pretty much what it evolves to. So the the very ending scene is very touching because the way that hp now associated that story with the feelings that they want their consumers to have in relation to the hb uh, hp brand was that it ended in a way where the dad actually end up going into the daughter's room and then he just laid he so he just laid down on the um so it's a bunk bed right and he laid down on the bottom bunk bed and there's a light so he turns it on and then he looks up and it actually shows all the pictures Mm. of him and his daughter right so that's how it ends because that's kind of like the nostalgic feeling of uh and it gives people that warm feeling of of that uh, father-daughter type of relationship and that's what hp on a emotional level and story level want uh, their consumers to um, have that type of relationship with their brand mm. right so that's a really they did a really incredible job in, t- in terms of tying um, you know, that type of warmth feeling with um, whenever you, let's say, buy an HP printer mm. or, or, or product, you know, it, it's like, it's like the, it's a, it's a equivalent to, let's say, you know, the, how strong and, and how emotional it is between the, mo- between two people who really care about each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I, I haven't seen that advertisement, but just hearing you describe it really got, yeah, it pulls at the heart emotionally story. because, I mean, I'm a father. I have a daughter. Right. So it really did. I mean, I can feel the emotion now. You can probably hear it in my voice. I can. Um, I can. Yeah. And yeah, so. I have uh, a HP laptop, so I'm going to be looking at that HP laptop in a completely different light from now on. 
Exactly, exactly. So, so you know, that's um, going back to you, and, and you're just touched on it. And, and we, I had to just mention it. So imagine you watching it, mm. or, or other people that you know have um, you know that have uh, that that father and, and and daughter relationship, or even father and son, right? Mm. It, it, either or. And then um, this this reliving that because it'll, what I'll do is it'll, it'll trigger memories of of you know like your history mm. of when you know during that time when your daughter was that old, for example, right? So so that's just another way to kind of um, kind of revive or reignite a lot of the emotions that will eventually you know parlay itself onto the brand. So as you mentioned, when you look at your H HP laptop. You're going to be thinking about totally different <laughs> right after the, you know, the, the, the scenario or the, the ad that I had just mentioned to you. Right. So mm -hmm. that's the power of now, you know, the really doing, uh, creating emotional stories and how that ties into, you know, the building a strong connection between the brand and the consumer. Mm. All right. Well, this has been absolutely fabulous, Felix. I'm just, uh, aware of the time here and um, you've given us some fabulous examples and explanations of how neuroscience and and how our brain works and how our thinking impacts on our behavior, buying behavior and connection and then how we can use that to establish trust establish safety and build those relationships at the start of any uh, buyer's journey so that's been really great. I think it's a good point now, though, to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. It's the same five question I ask of every guest, and the Sounds idea good. is you'll give some tips as we as we spoke. I think before we started recording about uh, tips to transform the listener by inspiring some action today. Exactly. Hmm. So, what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? More innovative. Keep an open mind. I think that's mm. absolute key. Um, I, especially right now with all the different changes, uh, people, um, whether they're businesses, individuals, consumers, they're just looking for better ways to do things. Right. Mm. Yeah. And I, one of the things related, I think, to our conversation today around neuroscience is, is the idea of curiosity and always being curious and in particular being curious about one's own reaction to things. I think there's enormous power in that. You know, yeah. If, if you've had an instant reaction to something um, and it wasn't necessarily a life-threatening situation, being curious about, well, why did I react like that? And kind of asking that question and and seeing what answers you come up with can be really great and, and keeping an open mind then about how else could I have reacted. Yeah, 100%. I definitely agree with that, Jürgen. It's, um, you know, this is a matter of being introspective. And just having that self-awareness, right? Because that's usually, that's the, the, that's the very beginning of true transformation mm. is to be, be able to understand what's going on uh, internally with our thought process and our feelings and our emotions. And then because um, everything starts internally. And then after that, it emanates the real world, right? So you can't change the world if, if you know, a lot of the challenges and bottlenecks exists within the individual so here that's the very first step and i think that's a wonderful note that you had mentioned right there in terms of being aware of you know what's going on uh in our minds for example or, or why did we respond that way to a particular situation right or and um so it's almost like being able to look at ourselves from a third person yeah right so and that's the thing is is a lot of times we have to remove our emotions from the situation our egos in order to make that happen where we, we step aside and go, okay, um, you know, what had actually happened here and, and to take responsibility and, and be accountable and then have an action plan so that when something in the future happens, then we're, we're not just repeating the same type of behavior patterns. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Remove the ego from the situation. <laughs> Great. All right. What's the best? One, though, right? Yeah, it is a tough one. <laughs> What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Oh, I think just being around people. Like, I, I think, um, you know, the ideas that are generated are always so collective and synergistic. Um, you know, there's no person in the world that knows every single thing. Hmm. So this, once again, ducktails to your previous question about, you know, just being open. So here is now building relationships, 
um, you know, meeting new people and then, um, you know, just seeing how we could add value to each other. And a lot of times the ideas that come out of it are ideas that when we look back, we're like, wow, like that's something that I didn't think about on my own. And the only reason why it came about is, is that, you know, like yourself, you're good. And, and, and we had a, a very awesome conversation. Hmm. Right. So, so this is a perfect marriage of just blending different ideas, thought processes, perspectives. And from that, um, you know, that's where a lot of the innovation could really come from. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I love the quote and, um, I can't remember the guy's name. He's the science guy on us television. That's his nickname. Um, and he said, everybody, every person you meet knows something you don't. hundred percent agree with that because yeah. nobody knows everything you could, we could always learn something from everybody. Hmm. Right. So with that Phil type Knight. of open mind. Yeah. yeah Phil Nye. That's his name. Phil, Phil Nye. Nye. Yeah. Yeah. I remember he's on Netflix as well. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does those science experiments, right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. All right. Do you have a favorite re resource you use most often? Resource. Um, if we're looking at probably Amazon Kindle or Apple iBook. And that's the reason is to, because that's just a wealth of knowledge, mm. right? So, so that's, uh, you know, tapping into books, um, seeing, you know, within those chapters, there, there's someone that had laid, you know, many, many years of wisdom in it. Mm. And, and also now today is Zoom, right? How, how could we forget yeah. Zoom? Like that, that, that's what makes, uh, communication very, very possible. Um, especially during these times and it will continue to be a part of our, our lives moving forward. Uh, I don't see it going away. It's, um, you know, it creates just too many relationships and opportunities that are beneficial to the movement of society. So, um, so, yeah, so we'll be around. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I mean, I've been doing this podcast for over six years, over mm -hmm. seven years. Sorry. Over seven. Oh, I'm congratulations. Right. And, um, you know, in the early days, we used Zoom. We've moved off Zoom because there's now better platforms specific to podcasting for technical reasons and, and the quality. But I still use Zoom a lot to right. connect with those people and start to build those relationships. So I, you know, when, when, um, the pandemic started and, um, lockdowns happened and people needed to find ways to communicate and suddenly everybody started using Zoom that hadn't used it before and wasn't familiar with it. I, I found then that all of a sudden people were a lot more accessible to go on to Zoom and even people that I needed to commute for a couple of hours to meet with on a regular basis because that was just the way they did business. Now all of a sudden embraced Zoom. And so I think what's happened as a result is there's a whole new level of communication happening all around the world because you know Zoom and platforms like that enable communication, Effective communication. Where there's no yeah where there's no geograph well there's no geographic limitation anymore so now all of a sudden every every business that can do some business online can be a global business exactly so it's not just uh you know this this e-commerce types of businesses anymore mm. so, so now businesses you mentioned um they could be to be b2b that at one time didn't leverage technology that much now or now having a conversation to become partners and they, they may be on opposite side of the world, right? So, um, you know, Zoom is just one example. There's, there's, I, I'm talking about just the spectrum of, of, uh, mm. video conference calling, yeah. right? So that, that's really has changed the world in terms of building that, uh, more tight net, uh, network where it provides, um, you know, people with the opportunity to get in touch with, um, anyone pretty much around the world, um, uh, in ways that we know we're, we're not thought of prior to what has happened over the last you know year and a half or so and of course as we've mentioned earlier getting on video to talk with somebody is um, a different level of trust than just a phone conversation absolutely yeah mm. there's a difference between seeing somebody and just hearing their voice on the phone all right what's the best way to keep a, a client on track uh, schedules have, um, you know, a, a routine. I, I think that's very, very important is have a, some sort of game plan where, um, you know, you, where the, the brand of the business is able to guide and be a facilitator and, and help the person or the, let's say their, their clients or customers, um, you know, realize where they're at currently mm. to transform into where they want to be. 
right? So um, without, uh, and especially in business, if we're just talking about in business in general, um, if you look at our calendars, that's probably what we um, definitely live or die. Uh, you, you know, that's something that has such a huge impact in terms of our ability to execute. We should see our relationships uh, with our clients in, a, in, in the same uh, in the same manner in terms of um, being able to uh, to be that guide and have a plan to take uh, to solve their problems in a way that's very very efficient and effective. Hmm. Yeah, and and of course, effective communication is a big part of that, isn't it? And I, I have to keep reminding myself of um, when I take this approach of scheduling when. You know, there's nothing to report. That's still communication. That's really important to have. Um, yeah. And particularly in person, um, whether it's phone call or, or video conference, because it may well be, hey, everything's on track, nothing to report. And the client then says, ah, but there's, you know, this has happened during the week. So things have changed a little bit. We need to change some stuff, you know, whereas, mm-hmm. uh, and it may be subtle, so subtle that they wouldn't necessarily call you to let you know but if it doesn't get if you don't address. adjust yeah if you don't address it then and there or or adjust then and there it becomes a much bigger issue later on exactly yeah that uh, as you mentioned highlighting your example just the just to have that uh be on the, our top of mind mm. as business owners uh and entrepreneurs to always be in constant contact with the people that we work with um, that's actually very, very key in terms of making sure that, uh, you know, the communication process and channels are totally open so that, um, you could, first of all, make sure that, hey, is everything on track? And then secondly, if there is anything that needs to be discussed, then those lines of communication are open so that that problem that seems very minute at that time does not balloon itself mm. into something where, where when we look back, it's like, oh, we could have fixed it by doing this one simple thing. Yeah. Right. So just that, um, that, uh, taking that, um, you know, just being very conscious about how important communication is. And, and, and as you mentioned, maybe everything's going perfect and just sending off an email or phone call or video call and and saying that, Hey, look, we're, we're just going to, uh, you know, we just want to touch base with you, see how everything's going on our end. Everything's good. Is there anything that changes on your side? Hmm. Something that takes, takes five minutes or less, but it could, it could mean the big difference in terms of, um, you know how how um, the relationship turns out and how everything builds moving forward. Great, yeah, love it. Okay, and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Uh, branding. I, I think that's absolutely huge, right? It's um, if you look at any major company, for example, uh, they like for example with the HP exam, the HP. Um, after you know just hearing the story. Hmm. How that now changes your perception and your feelings towards now an HP product. So mm-hmm. it almost, it, what it really did was it humanized it. Yeah. Right. It brought emotions to the mix. So, um, you know, having that ability to have effective branding is, um, is really the big, uh, the big difference maker. Hmm. Yeah. I love it. Humanize your brand. All right. Well. This has been absolutely fabulous, Felix. Now, where can people find out more about you, about the work you do, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm active on LinkedIn. So, um, you know, just type in Felix Ko into LinkedIn, and I'm more than happy to connect with people on there. Also, you could check out uh, my website, happybuyingbrain.com. Um, I also have a blog section. Uh, so in that blog, I released, uh, you know, the latest uh, developments and news on what's happening in the world of near marketing and how business owners could apply that into their own marketing. And um, those are probably the two best ways to, to reach me. And also, at uh, if you want to send me a direct um, email, be at uh, felix at happybuyingbrain.com. Great. Well, we'll include all those links in the show notes and certainly encourage people to um, check out your blog because there are quite a few interesting articles there just in the last three or four. And I haven't gone back <laughs> into the older ones yet. Perfect. I'm, I'm glad that's helpful. Yeah. All right. Uh, do you have some parting advice for our listener as we wrap it up today? I think the main thing is know your self-worth. Know that you, what you contribute to society matters. And, um, and don't be afraid to go out there, build relationships, talk to people, because 
that one conversation that you have with somebody, whether they're someone that you already know or a new person, could uh, totally have a huge impact in terms of how they view themselves or or their relationship to the people around them, and then um, and then collectively together, you know, that has a compounding effect. Now that um, that one person helps another person, and everything grows geometrically, so that the world becomes a better place. Hmm. Yeah, I love that, and uh, particularly, I mean, I I love this idea of you know enabling somebody else to change something in their life or their business that then enables them to go and help a whole bunch of people. Because now, now you've had this ripple effect. You know, it's the the you drop the pebble in the pond and. And the, other and side the impact the, is is, is yeah, significant. That's right. On the yeah. other side of the world, there's a tsunami. <laughs> if you like, exactly. It might be a bad example, but <laughs> but it, it makes sense. Is yeah. like the butterfly effect, right? Like mm. something that could be so small, like a nudge. Um, you know, that, that totally changes the way that somebody lives their life. Mm. And just imagine like how they now communicate with their family or their close ones, and then mm. and then from there on, that ripple effect continues to build. Yeah, love it. All right, and who else should I get on the show and why? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, there's, there's just so many great people. Uh, let me see here. So I was on the Business Method podcast. So if you maybe you have already had uh, Chris Reynolds as a guest. No, I haven't. No. Yeah, he's a really awesome person. So I would, I would definitely start with Chris and then... Um, and then after that, you know, never know where it goes from there, right? That's the beauty mm. of meeting people. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get an introduction to Chris from you and to reach out and see if we can bring him on the show as well. So it was the Business Methods podcast, was it? Exactly. Yeah. The Business Method podcast. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insight so generously with us today. Felix, this has been absolutely wonderful. You know, there's there's so much here that I think adds value if people take this on board, take the explanations, how our brains work and the principles behind neuroscience, how they apply to marketing, sales and business, um, then I'm sure there's um, there's a whole lot of things that they can implement immediately in their own business. So absolutely. thanks so much. I've really enjoyed our conversation. All the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again, Jurgen, for having me as a guest on your show. It's, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure. I hope you really enjoyed that engaging and really insightful conversation with Felix and took something away from his episode. I love Felix's focus on enabling people to make a transformation that enhances their business and their lives and also enables them to impact others as a result. That was a big highlight for me. I'd love to know what you took away from Felix's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Felix K-O. That is F-E-L-I-X-C-A-O, all lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Felix K.O. There you'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Felix, as well as links to the Happy Buying Brain website, to Felix's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you liked this conversation, this episode, please do share it around. Share it with at least two other people that it might help. You'll be doing them a massive favour. Tag me in on that chair and I'll reach out to you with a special surprise. Thank you. Felix suggested that we have a conversation with Chris Reynolds of The Business Method on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Chris, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Felix K.O. And tune in to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including a return as guest on the InnovaBuzz podcast of Aritas Loris of Omnisent and marketing consultant Caleb Roach. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.